Welcome, welcome to the Pixels and Perspectives podcast. As always, I'm your host Dan and thank you so much for joining me again this week. I was considering skipping this episode because I had COVID last week and my throat and voice are just shot. I was recording a podcast yesterday for like my job and literally after 20 minutes I physically couldn't talk anymore. My throat was so like sore and just yeah it's it's not great when you you have a job where you have to talk and obviously where I have this podcast where I, I have to talk and your throat hurts so I'm gonna keep a brief I'm gonna edit out any coughs or anything like that so you don't have to listen to that horribleness but yeah I figured I'd just do a short one this week because the Xbox presentation podcast thing has happened I'm recording this on Friday evening so it happened yesterday and it was a whole lot of nothing, really, considering how much it was hyped up, how much the people of Twitter and Reddit have, like, overinflated this whole Xbox going out of the exclusives game and becoming a third-party publisher and all that sort of stuff. It's been blown massively out of proportion from what I can tell so far. Obviously, things are subject to change, and if they do end up going down this whole third-party route in the future, that's fair enough. But for now, going off of the information that was relayed to us as consumers in yesterday's podcast, Phil Spencer said that there's going to be four games that are currently in the works to be going to different platforms. Now, he didn't actually announce what these games are, he did, however, get asked the question, oh, is, is one of these games Starfield? Is it going to be Indiana Jones going to the multi-platform? And he, like, didn't really shut this down specifically, but he did say, no, those are not part of the four games that are going to be going multi-platform. So he's chose his wording here very carefully because... Again, it's kind of future-proofing his own statements in a way in case that these games do end up going multi-platform in the near future or even distant future. He can say, well, in my interview, I said that these games are not one or two of the four games that we were talking about. So yeah, his wording was very vague in a sense. But also, I don't think Starfield's going to be coming to PlayStation anytime soon, which is a shame because I want people who only have a PlayStation to experience the disappointment that is Starfield. But alas, Starfield and Indiana Jones are not going to be multi-platform for the foreseeable future. Now, as far as the actual four games that are going to be coming to different platforms, Phil said that he wants the developers of these games to be able to announce them like themselves, which is fair enough, but it kind of like took the sting out of this podcast a little bit because it was sort of like, well, couldn't this have just been like a statement that you post on Twitter or Facebook or whatever? Like, you know, the one, one of those like blank text documents that have some decals on. It's usually in the case of like, Games getting delayed or something like that. I'm sure Cyberpunk made it like a thing, but it, I don't see why they had to hold this like podcasting. I do understand that the rumors were getting out of control and people were saying, oh, I'm, I'm going to trade in my Xbox and just get a PS5 now and going like thermonuclear over these rumors that are essentially nothing yet. So I can understand why they hosted this podcasting in that regard, but come on now, a document with all this information on would have been one faster two easier and they could have put it out a lot sooner than having to wait one or two weeks whatever it was 
for this actual conference thing. Now, there's been a lot of speculation as to what these four games are, and I think it's safe to assume that at least one or two of them are going to be from the following list. So we have Pentiment, Sea of Thieves, Grounded, and Hi-Fi Rush. Now, these are games that are very similar in terms of, like, each one of these games has their individual, like, diehard fan bases, but in terms of, like, Xbox exclusives, they're not really the big ones. When you look at Gears of War or Halo or Forza, those are the big games that we want to see, like, getting some love and also actually, like, having an impact on becoming third party because, don't get us wrong, Sea of Thieves is a huge game and it has a large player base and I think expanding that to PlayStation is only a good thing and potentially Switch as well, but none of these four games are system sellers and I think that Microsoft know this, that's why they're essentially gonna double dip in terms of having new players and having new players on these different consoles being able to purchase them. Like, it's a win-win for them because everyone on Xbox who has Game Pass can get them for nothing or the monthly fee or whatever it is, semantics. But you now can sell these games at a premium for these players who have been locked to other consoles but also want to play these games. And that's why I think this, like, business idea is such a good one because... It doesn't deflate from the fact that the Xbox console has the ability to have Game Pass and that in itself is like enough to justify the purchase of a console in my opinion because you can play multiple games exclusives for £15 a month or you can essentially play these games on other hardware but you have to then pay the premium of these games at full price. So then you'll have people who are looking to get the the biggest bang for their buck with their consoles who will look at it and think, well, I can get every single Xbox exclusive on Xbox day one with Game Pass. So even if it's just like purchasing a Series S, it seems as though that is the smarter move in terms of like being able to play a lot of games in a long period of time without having to pay the 40, 50 pounds it is, whatever the the price may be, to then play these games on different platforms. Now you have these other platform owners who do not have an Xbox. It's nice that they now have the option to purchase these games. They don't have to miss out on them, which is what I'm all about. Like I've said this so many times before, I hate the concept of exclusives. I understand why they exist, but I'd prefer like our gaming community to not gatekeep certain aspects of content and having games available to everyone I think is just the best play overall and it would end all these like silly console wars and stuff like that but I'm not going to get into that. I want to focus on the fact that this is what Microsoft is doing and it sets a precedent for future releases especially those games that are in development at Activision and are now going to be published by Xbox Game Studios It opens up a can of worms of, well, what is going to be exclusive, what isn't? Are they going to, like, go all out and kind of, like, lock their games away? I I can't see that happening because it cuts out a market of profits for them and it would be daft to do that. So I understand why they're doing it with Bethesda games because they've already got that part of the company locked off and I guess that's expectation at this point, but 
I'm all for these games coming to PlayStation, coming to Switch, having more gamers being able to experience these games. Personally, I've not actually played Hi-Fi Rush. That's the one game on this list that I really do want to play. But the rest of them, I've like either bounced off or put a couple hours in and been satisfied with my time. But if I was to have purchased these games for £30-40, I wouldn't have been like thrilled with it, which is the beauty of Game Pass and why Game Pass is so important for the Xbox ecosystem and for the gamers who want to try a lot of things but don't necessarily have that sort of disposable income to be wasting on not necessarily great games or not even that, just games that they don't particularly gel with after trying for a little bit. And it's always great just having the option and that's what I'm trying to stress here, having the option to game as a community, as a whole, like the whole of the gaming community, like let's just open it up more and let's not gatekeep our games. And it is just funny, like thinking back at how people were losing their minds over this whole like thing. And it's, yeah, it's turned out to be nothing like particularly interesting or special. And I think it will be interesting to see how it progresses in terms of what games are going to be coming out in the future and if they're going to be going multi-platform or whatever. But yeah, it's at the minute, it's played by ear and let's just wait and see for these four games to get announced before we start like blowing up Twitter, how Xbox is dead and how they're going to abandon the console and all that sort of thing because that ain't happening anytime soon. They're not going to drop 70 billion on Activision and then come out of the gaming space. It's just not feasible. I think the people at the top of Microsoft are now wanting to see a return on investment in terms of how much money they've spent. So opening up their library to other users on different platforms is the next logical step for that increased profit margin. And another thing that Phil announced during this podcast thing is that the first Activision Blizzard game that's coming to Game Pass next month on March 20th is Diablo 4. Now this is music to my ears because I didn't purchase Diablo 4. I was very much in the camp that yes, it will come to Game Pass. So I'm going to wait for it. And lo and behold, the patience has paid off because yeah, it's coming to Game Pass next month. And hopefully this is the start of the floodgates opening in terms of Activision Blizzard games getting like released onto the service. It's a little bit sad how they didn't just do a huge, huge drop like they did with the Bethesda acquisition. But I can see why they'd want to roll it out like slowly to get people playing different games and also not having the service like stagnate in a couple months. Like now we can look forward to the rest of the Activision Blizzard games coming to Game Pass. And I do hope that they look into their options in terms of backwards compatibility and potentially open that service back up again so they can bring back some of the Activision games of like the past and not only put it on the Game Pass service, but not only give us access to those games, but like put it on the Game Pass platform because that would be incredible for us who own Game Pass being able to play old Activision games on Game Pass. It's a win-win because they're there. They're not really making any money. So just make them backwards compatible at least. And if they're feeling really generous, just drop it on Game Pass. Drop all those games on Game Pass. It'll be great. In terms of Diablo 4, it's one I've been wanting to try, but with slight cautious optimism. I believe this game has had its ups and downs in terms of the monetary like schemes and practices that are present within it. And I have heard that the game from start to finish is good. It's just the end game content, which is that scummy, like, microtransaction-focused min-maxing your character. 
And I do believe I read something this week that there was a, a piece of DLC that costs more than the actual game itself. Was it $65? I think this piece of DLC is. And that is just ludicrous. I'm all for like cosmetics to support the, the creators and the developers, but there's a point at where these cosmetics and DLC things like reach levels of taking the piss out of your consumer because let's face it, a lot of people have moved on from Diablo, especially since Baldur's Gate 3 is now available on every console. So I can see Activision Blizzard are wanting to like rely on the whales a little bit, which is kind of sad. And with the game coming to Game Pass, I can see them trying to monetize this game a little bit more aggressively as well, because you'll have that larger user base and also they won't be getting the sales from the game outright anymore because a lot of people will just, like me, be playing it on Game Pass. And I am going to give it a go, but yeah, like I said, it's cautious optimism because I won't be spending a goddamn penny on this game. Now, the final thing of note that happened in this podcast is that Phil mentioned the next generation of consoles and he said that the next Xbox is going to be like the biggest jump in hardware power that we have ever seen. Now, I don't know if he's talking about the Xbox Series X mid-gen refresh, well, if that even exists, or he's talking about the jump into the next generation of consoles altogether. But if he is talking about the latter, isn't that always going to be the case? Like, isn't hardware always going to get better? So isn't that kind of like a moot point? I don't know. It just seems like you're trying to build up hype for a new console and you're reassuring people that Xbox aren't going out of the hardware business, but surely everyone would already expect that the next generation of consoles are going to be like the biggest generational leap or whatever. Maybe that's because the the leap between Xbox One and Xbox Series X isn't that big. So maybe it's just going off that one. But yeah, interesting to see that this is the thing. These new consoles are now being discussed. Like Sony have put out a thing saying that the PlayStation 5 is moving on into the latter stages of its life in terms of the generation. And as far as I'm concerned with that is I don't particularly think that there's been a lot of current generation games that have utilized the full potential and power of the current generation systems. So it seems a little bit strange that we're already talking about moving on to the next set of consoles. There hasn't been that generational defining game yet, which one looks visually next gen, like as a term, next gen, or even like showing off the full potential of Unreal Engine 5, because I don't think we've seen that yet. I think Hellblade 2 has the potential to live up to this sort of next generation hype. But again, this game has to run on Series S, so it's going to be hindered by that I think and a lot of games this generation have suffered from that I'm not gonna lie I think it was a mistake from Microsoft to release this console this underpowered version of a next generation console it's it's just silly because it, it does hold games back but there hasn't been and this is the game that I use for the comparison as a benchmark there hasn't been a game that has like even rivaled the last of us part two now i know the remastered version has just come out on playstation so that that's kind of like a contradictory statement but this game for a ps4 game it's still the best looking game the best acted game the best facial animations in a game like i've ever seen and i don't think anything has come close to that and you would think with 
the power of the new consoles, we would have had something that even rivaled that. I know the whole development of that game is insane and the budget was huge and game development like that isn't really sustainable in the long run because games would never ever come out. (laughs) But in terms of it being truly next generation, I personally don't feel like we've had anything that has come close to being next gen. Maybe Spider-Man 2 with the whole fast travel thing, but even then it's showcasing the power of the SSD, but it's not pushing any other boundaries. And this is the game that needs to come out, a game that hits all of these aspects, that pushes all of these boundaries. Then we can say, okay, that's the benchmark. We can't get better than that on the current hardware. We need to upgrade and we need to push forward into the next generation. I mean, you've still got games coming out like Redfall on release, like Gotham Knights that are locked at 30 FPS. Sure, you might be able to play them in 4K and they might look pretty visually, but if you look at the characters in either of those games, they they don't even come close to the visual fidelity of a Naughty Dog game. And again, they're the industry leaders on this sort of thing, but the fact that we're talking about upgrading consoles now, potentially spending six, seven hundred pounds on the next version of the Xbox or the PlayStation is just bonkers to me because we're not even close to being anywhere near the potential of this generation yet. And yeah, to say that the the next generation's coming sooner than you think within the next like three, four years is wild. And I hope between now and then we do get the the next big visual showcase, hopefully it's Grand Theft Auto 6. We, we'll have to wait and see for that one. But yeah, as a consumer, I'm a little bit like just rolling my eyes at that. Obviously, I will be getting the new consoles because of the industry that I'm in and the fact that this is like my biggest hobby and all that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in the same camp as me, but it's just a little bit tiring at this point when we can't even get a steady stream of games this generation that or top tier and that look like true next-gen games and experiences. So yeah, that's my thoughts on the whole next-gen thing. It's like, it's probably too soon, but again, it's going to be like probably 2027, I think, before they actually like announce it. But I I do think Microsoft actually said that there's going to be an announcement this December, which is soon. It's, It's very soon when you think about how long the Xbox has been out now. It's like, it'll be four years in November. It doesn't feel like it's been a long generation and I know that COVID has affected a lot of that, but you can't blame everything on the pandemic. I think that time has passed. We need to see some games now, games that look visually better than what Indiana Jones looks like because it it, it is in that uncanny valley thing. We need to see like those character models that don't truly look human but they they don't look terrible. It's it's a weird kind of cartoony middle ground. And I don't even think that's just the art style because the the like backgrounds and the, the graphics of the environments look great. It's character models that make or break a game now. You can have paws, you can have like little hairs, but just capturing that dynamic of the human face and having the facial animations react in a realistic way, that's what I want to see. I want to see more physics-based stuff rather than, oh, there's 10 more pixels in this environment, like in this tree in the background. You can see like three more leaves and all that sort of thing. It's like we need to focus on the right things and carry that forward into the next generation, I think. So moving on from Xbox, we have the Tomb Raider 
one to three remasters that have just been released. Now, Ads has bought this game on Xbox, and since we game share, like I kind of get that game too. It's not really one that I'm super nostalgic for. I, I did play the Tomb Raiders back in the day, but I was always like one of those people that didn't enjoy them because of the tank controls and the fact that like you jump down into a pit and there'd be a tiger or a bear and I would just like get my face eaten off and I did have a fun time with it. So I don't really have a lot of nostalgia for this series, but I might give it a go. I might give it a go. It's just one of them ones where you're going to have to find the time because it's obviously a remaster. It's one of them ones where it's like, I don't really want to play it. So do I have the time to spare to put it on this game when I could be playing something that I do want to play. And another Tomb Raider related thing that's just been revealed was the new look for Laura Croft in the next Tomb Raider game. They've taken her back to like her original design and I think it looks really really cool. And I do wonder if it's going to be a continuation from the the rebooted series or if it's going to be a new like reboot entirely. We'll have to wait and see on that one but yeah I just thought I'd mention my thoughts on that. And I did actually get my backbone this week. And if you're not familiar with a backbone, it's a like third party licensed controller thing that you can put your phone on and plug into. And you can essentially play your phone as a not only a streaming device, but also you can connect it to your Xbox and like use it as a controller with your phone as a screen. So it's not like over the cloud. And yeah, I can't believe I didn't purchase one of these earlier because it's a game changer for me. Like not only having the option to just like whip out my phone in the backbone and just play a game whenever I want. If I'm sitting in the living room and like say my daughter's just playing with her craft stuff or watching her iPad and I'm just sat there either I'll just be like scrolling YouTube or Reddit or Twitter or just sat watching her play or something, I can now just like whip the backbone out, whip the phone out and stream a, a Game Pass game like that, like straight away. I was playing Brotato yesterday over the cloud, just trying it out and yeah, I'm loving it. Like getting, I'm getting into this game itself because I loved Vampire Survivors and Brotato is kind of like a riff on that whole thing. It's like an auto shooting type thing where you get upgrades for your characters. The game's really fun. And it's the perfect backbone game because you don't have to like focus on what's going on too much. There's not a lot of like things like finicky aim. I, I did play Resident Evil 4 Remake on the, the backbone. I gave it a go and I found it to be a little bit dark. I don't know if that's my settings in the game or if I had to just turn my, my phone brightness up or what. But having to intricately aim on a little tiny screen is a little bit not great but again it's just having the option to play i tried out need for speed heat i believe it's called the latest one um i did have a little bit of time in this game but i think this is one that doesn't particularly work very well on the backbone like the screen's too small for it and i have actually been considering because i have a phone upgrade this year getting the iphone pro max so the bigger version then i can like have a bigger screen when I use the backbone. That's how much this thing, which I've had for like three days, has affected my whole like gaming like life. It's insane just having the ability to just plug it into the, your phone and just play. And I definitely like recommend this backbone to anybody who likes to game, but who not necessarily always has the ability to sit down at their desk and play. It's a very handy on the go tool to have. And like just playing in bed whilst my wife's reading or st stuff like that. It's it's really, really cool. And I can't believe I didn't have one of these earlier. 
I was talking to one of my colleagues at work and since he has a baby due soon, I was like, you need to get yourself a backbone because doing the night feeds and having this, oh man, it would would have been a game changer back in the day for when I was when I was doing it with days. Back like four years ago. Jesus, I'm getting old. I have a four-year-old. A soon-to-be five-year-old as well. But yeah, the backbone is awesome and I'm super happy with that purchase. So to round things off, I, I, I'm going to talk about what I have been playing and I, I do actually have a new quest. I know a lot of you are familiar with the, the Pokemon quest. That's kind of been put on the back burner a little bit and this new quest has kind of taken most of my time in terms of what I'm going to be doing gaming-wise. So before I get into that, I'll just like cover what I've been playing. Um, so I did mention last week that I have been watching this Resident Evil like Berserker mod thing, Resident Evil 4 remake and it's got me in the mood to play Resident Evil 4 again so I downloaded the remake again started up on hard like a fresh new save with no none of the bonus weapons or anything like that I'm just going to go through it on hard and just have fun with it take my time and just enjoy that game for what it is because it's such a good game and then again like I mentioned I've been playing Brotato I've done about three or four runs of that and it's, it's super addicting it's super fun it's very easy to just pick up and play and another pick up and play game is uh, Microsoft Solitaire Collection. I found myself putting a lot of time into this one recently as well, just being on my phone and just having it there, like doing a few games here and there when I'm like waiting in the car to go pick Daisy up or like sat waiting for a video to render at work or something like that. I'll just pop up Solitaire and have two or three minutes just playing a game of Solitaire on my phone. I think I'm turning into a mobile gamer a little bit, yeah, with all Backbone thing and then with Solitaire. But alas, on my Xbox 360, I've been playing more Band Hero, trying to get that one out of the way and done. Still very much into the rhythm-based games and just cracking on with that, waiting for this PDP guitar to be announced in terms of when it's coming out in the price and all that sort of thing. Still waiting on that one. And I started the TMNT game that's based on the movie... I can't remember when this one came out. It might have been like 2007-ish, maybe 2008. I might be completely wrong on that, but it's the movie tie-in game and it's just titled TMNT. And I have played this one before in the past, but it was on a previous gamer tag. And this is going to tie in with what I am currently doing in terms of my quests. So I've decided I want to hit 200,000 gamer score by the end of April. Now I'm currently at 171,000, so that that's like 29k to go between now and April, so it's like two two months to do that, and I have a lot of Xbox 360 games just sat there that are in my collection that I haven't actually played, so I figured this would be a way to like get into those games a little bit more, whilst also encouraging me to go for more achievements and get back into that whole thing, because... Back in the day, I used to be a very big achievement hunter. Like, I wouldn't play a game that didn't have achievements. So I'm kind of getting back into that, like, mindset a little bit, which isn't great in terms of, like, gaming, like, horizons and, like, broadening those. But it is great in terms of how much gaming I'm going to be doing and how much I'm going to be actually playing games there that I've bought on 360 or on Xbox series or whatever it may be. And actually like finishing them and getting the achievements and stuff like that. And I find it very like fun just going for an achievement and unlocking it. It's like that big dopamine rush that I get from it. So I figured with the whole Pokemon thing being on the back burner, I was just like, I need something new to focus on. And this has become that. 
So, yeah, I'm currently playing through TMNT on Xbox 360. The achievements are really easy to do. You just have to basically complete the game, and it takes around eight hours or so. I think I'm about four or five levels into it, and it's surprisingly fun. It's not very complicated. It's a little bit button mashy at times. It's a kid's game. But, yeah, TMNT. And I did download, like, Gang Beasts and another couple of, like, easy games that can help boost the game, I score. But I'm going to try to keep it to games in my collection, like, that I want to actually play. And I don't want to just like cheat the whole thing and get it with those 5,000 game score like £2 games because it would just be cheating and I wouldn't be super thrilled with that. So that also spurred me on to continue a game which I started back in like 2020, maybe 2019. It's Gears Tactics, which I originally started on PC and then it did come over to Xbox, but I had fallen off it at that point. Like I got a little bit bored of it. But I always wanted to go back and finish this one and this seems like the perfect time because obviously you get achievements for completing the game and there's various tasks you can do. There's that extra mode where you can have Jack and all that. So I was like, I fancy something like a little bit more thought based and obviously I'm huge on the Gears franchise. So re-downloaded it. I was up to about chapter two, act eight, I believe. And I've done a few missions here and there. I managed to beat the corpse, which I was stuck on for like an hour or two. It's just I was getting terrible RNG with having like guns with like 80% accuracy and still missing shots. It's just one of those games that's really frustrating when things don't go your way. But yeah, I'm I'm making my way through that one currently. I just feel like I'm having fun with just trying multiple different games and having the backbone is kind of spurring that on a little bit because you can just go and browse the cloud gaming library and just play it on your phone and not think about it too much. And I did recently go through like a bit of a lull. This was before Pal World came out and where I was like kind of feeling a little bit burnt out on the hobby and a little bit depressed in a way and with certain aspects of my other life as well, which then went on to affect my gaming life. And I feel like now after Pal World has like reignited that spark within me, I feel like I'm like in a decent enough place where I can start going out and setting my personal challenges within the whole gaming sphere and just enjoying more varied games and just playing things like because that's the main thing that I want to do I don't want to play things just for the sake of playing them but I want to just enjoy gaming again and I feel like I'm very much on the road to doing that and I do have a lot to owe to Pal World because that's kind of the game that pulled me out of the slump with that and I did actually finish it I, I don't think I updated you guys on that one but yeah I finished Pal World beat all the bosses got all the achievements and I'm kind of just waiting now for the extra content to come out with that one hopefully it comes thick and fast and they are able to meet the demand of the player base because I know there's there's the headlines have come out saying oh Pal World's lost 50% of its players or whatever but the developer actually came out with a, a like a community note where he essentially said thank you for playing the game if you're still playing it we, we love you if you played it you've got your your money's worth and your time's worth but have moved on to other games but are like waiting for the the new content to come out and all that sort of thing we still love you and thank you for playing our game and it's very admirable because a lot of these like IGNs and stuff are jumping on the bandwagon of hate for Pal World and I think it definitely doesn't deserve that because it's a great game and I had just under two days clocked in it when I got my 100% on it but yeah I think that's gonna do it for me this week again it's another short episode but my throat is absolutely killing at this point so I'm gonna let you go thank you so much for listening 
please follow the show on X at P underscore A underscore P underscore podcast. You can follow me at Dan J. Durkin. Be sure to go on and share the podcast around with your friends and even like give it a little rating on Spotify and Apple iTunes and all that good stuff because it really helps the show out and I very much appreciate it. And as always, I've been Dan and I will catch you in the next one. Bye.